This is Jeff Mucci with RCR Wireless News and welcome to this week's edition of Coders on Good Friday. We have a uh, special guest, Victor Agreta, and we're also going to have a second special guest who has real experience on uh, developing programs on Apple's Swift programming language. But before we dive into today's show, let's jump into and recognize our sponsors, Telecom Careers. So if you need software development talent, make sure to check out Telecom Careers. So let's run the segment. Telecom Careers, the number one global telecom and wireless job board. Telecomcareers.com. Victor, thanks for joining us again this week. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show. And for those who don't know Victor Greta, he was the editor-in-chief of 2 He's also executive producer of Super Pixel Studios and uh, Angry Dad. He's an Angry Dad gamer. He has a nightly show on uh, that he broadcasts to Twitch TV. Victor, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about our, our guest? Uh, well, this is uh, Dave Veranu, and he is a co-founder and actually development lead at, at uh, Nickelfish uh, and, and at Derby, actually, right? That's correct. That's right. And, uh, and so I actually met him through a friend, uh, Seth Clifford, who is a developer as well. And as I understand it, Dave has been working exclusively, I think, with Swift uh, programming lately. That is also correct. So I'm I'm interested, Dave, uh, because you know, we had talked a little bit about Objective C and Swift and whatnot, but you're really just doing Swift programming, and this is something that uh, first of all, I guess we should take a step back and go ahead and tell people what Swift is to begin with. Sure. Uh, what is what is Swift? Swift is a new programming language from uh, from Apple, and it's essentially going to be the replacement for Objective C. Um, it's meant to be. Uh, nice and concise and uh, and uh, more readable and easier to use than Objective-C. All things that uh, that I find to be true. I, I, I really enjoy using Swift. Um, and it's what's going to be powering the, the Apple platforms uh, going going forward. And that includes the Mac, the iPhone, and now the watch. Um, now, Objective-C, of course, was an object, uh, object-oriented programming languages like many modern programming languages. Not all of them are object-oriented, and so Apple went with that same concept with Swift, right? Yeah, that's correct. It's certainly uh, object-oriented and um, certainly shares a lot of the same, uh, same patterns as Objective-C, and it's, I think the focus is really on um, making it a, a very a much easier and expressive language and uh, keeping things as concise as possible. And that's sort of what's interesting to me is that they've made it easier, but they have to maintain the same power. And this is always the thing that people talk about in software development is that you can have something really powerful, but to make it easy to use, you you know, it's, it's this struggle between power and ease of use. So I'm curious with two things. First of all, in your experience, just seeing other people who come from other object-oriented languages, knowing this is very new, of course, how easy has it been to them to transition into working with Swift? And, and then the other thing is, I mean, how easy is Swift for someone with no programming experience to come into it? Uh, I think it's, uh, it, it's pretty easy to jump, uh, jump into for both, both sides of that coin, uh, particularly because uh, it's, 
it's pretty well documented. Even for being a, a very um, a very new language, it's and certainly this is more true over the past handful of months. It's it's pretty well documented by Apple. So uh, and it's the 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 documentation is also nice and uh, easy and concise. So it's you're not looking at uh, 800 different pages over 20 different websites to try and uh, figure out this language. It's it's pretty easy to to learn from uh, from that aspect. So uh, that, that kind of helps both sides out, whether you're, you're familiar with object-oriented languages uh, already and just are learning new syntax and some new methods of doing things, the, the, the technical documentation is there. And then from the new programmer aspect, uh, they also have um, you know, some introduc introductory uh, documentation, tutorials, things of, of that nature to uh, help anyone out uh, jumping on the, uh, you know, the, the Swift train. Now, one thing that actually caught my eye at WWDC when they announced this was something that I, I hadn't seen, uh, at least in the context of what we would call like a grown-up language. You know, I've, I've seen this in some sort of playground-type languages, and I say that specifically because there is a playground, right? There's something that basically let you see your code as you're writing it. Um, so can you explain a little bit of that to people? Sure. Um, yeah, what playgrounds are is exactly what you just said. It's it's an area where you can, uh, with an Xcode, uh, write write some some Swift code, and in the in the sidebar see what that code is actually producing, and that's particularly helpful for a compiled language like uh, like Swift, where you can test something out and then not have to take the time to compile it, whether into a simulator or a device, and take that extra time to see if the, the code that you just changed is doing what you want it to do. So it's a it's really a great feature for a compiled language to be able to write something and see instantaneous results uh, definitely helps speed the process up of development. Yeah, that's I know it's helped my son, who isn't even a teenager yet, who immediately got the free iBook from from Apple, the iBook on on Swift, the language, the documentation, which was written extremely well. And then you're able to, of course, download Xcode for free, and you can try it out. And uh, you know, he was able to use Playground to actually see everything. So it seems like that if you have no background, that actually is extremely useful to be able to immediately see what you're doing. So you can apply the lessons, and there's none of this sort of like, well, wait, what am I deploying this to? And you know, all those other considerations. Just focus really on the code. Absolutely. Well, for the uh, Victor, for the uninitiated, uh, what I'd like to do is just maybe have our team pull up the the uh, Swift website, and you know they talk about it being the innovative new programming language for Cocoa and 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 Cocoa Touch. What is Cocoa and what is Cocoa Touch? I'll let uh, I'll let Dave actually explain that because he's living that every single day, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, so I'll oversimplify it. It's Coco and Coco Touch are, are what are the the APIs that that power uh, OS X and iOS. So uh, the, they're what allow you to take Swift code and integrate with uh, the, the the displays, the interfaces to actually present your application. So um, that's Coco and Coco Touch is what you're actually working with. Uh, well, I think what we need to keep in mind with with Swift, as great a programming language as it is. It's still just a programming language. We're still dealing with uh, the APIs of, of iOS and OS X, and that's, that's what you need to work with. So whether you're working with Objective-C or Swift, 
It's, it's the knowledge of those APIs and how you use them and how you implement them that is really uh, you know, the, the, the backbone of, of an Apple developer. Okay. Yeah, to, to explain it another way is, is that if you see some two apps that do the exact same thing and one app has the built-in animations that uh, iOS provides, especially the new stuff in iOS 7 and 8, uh, if you're seeing that stuff versus another app, let's say it's a to-do app, and you're seeing none of those, it's just, you know, you click a button and something changes and it, it just feels like it could be on a Palm Trio from, you know, 10 years ago. That's someone who's not familiar with those APIs and they're not using the power that Apple's giving them in those frameworks to be able to do those things. So that built-in power is really where the Cocoa stuff is. And then Swift is, is your code that you're using to interface and tell it what to do with those things, right? Yeah, that's correct. So again, for the layperson or person, the uninitiated to Swift, uh, going back to their website, they talk about it being interactive and fun and concise syntax. Um, they also talk about running lightning fast and Swift code running side by side with Objective-C. So when they talk about lightning fast, what does that really mean? How do they make that, uh, that run super fast and, and how do they allow it to run side by side with um, Objective-C? So I think uh, in, term, in terms of the, the lightning fast, they certainly have their, their means of measuring things and it, it's, they, they tell us it's supposed to be uh, much faster than Objective-C. Uh, we, did, we did some, some very, very light side-by-side -side comparisons and did see uh, at least on par or slightly faster uh, performance with, with Swift. But, uh, I th and certainly I think that's going to increase over time. I think, to be honest, I think a lot of that is coming from, it's, they started with a clean slate. It's not decades of development on Objective-C and everything that comes with it. I think anytime you have uh, a, a clean slate and are able to write, write everything from scratch, you're going to get a performance boost out of that. So, you know, whether whatever performance increase we're seeing now with a, uh, you know, much more simplified language, whether that still holds true 10, 10 years from now when they've added, uh, uh, you know, a ton more to the Swift language, we'll, we'll see if, if uh, that still holds true. Well, Dave, you wear two hats. You're chief product officer for Nickelfish, which has been around since 2002. And according to your website, you guys, uh, and I love the, the tagline with your manifesto, which we'll talk about in just a minute, but you're also co-founder developer of, and lead developer of um, a Derby. But um, why don't we pause for a minute and, and actually show the video of, of um, um, Stringer and then uh, you can talk about how your company moved completely away from C and went to uh, Swift 100%. So why don't we roll that segment? When it comes to music, there's something special about Shuffle. You rediscover things you forgot you had, you hear a song, and it takes you somewhere else. Sometimes you're already singing the next song from the album because it's just forever etched in your mind that way. Introducing Stringer a new way to interact with the music in your life. Your shuffle is a string, and your songs are tied together, which makes sense because that's how we think about our music anyway. With Stringer, you can reconnect these songs easily and gain a totally new sense of control over your shuffle. You can add, delete, even reorder your songs on the fly, and then go right back to listening. It's flexible, easy, and really fun. Check it out. Visit heyderby.com slash stringer.
So before we let Victor ask Dave the, the hard questions, I want to come back to Nickelfish and, and Dave, give people a better feel for who you are, the types of projects you've worked on, and then we're going to dig into your experience developing Stringer with, with uh, Swift. So I'm going to come back to Nickelfish, and, and on your website it talks about deviously awesome arts and crafts. What, is, what does that really mean? Well, the, the, our primary focus at Nickelfish is really the user experience. So while we have some of the most talented developers here at Nickelfish, uh, what we really try to focus on that we feel not every development shop really focuses on is the design and user experience. So that's where the devilishly awesome uh, arts and crafts come from. Uh, the, the focus on the design, how it looks, what's, what's the story that this application tells. Um, and then backing that up with just really awesome development uh, to then launch a product that we're all proud of, both uh, both the client and us. Well, you're based in New Jersey, and I noticed on your website um, you've got some really cool-looking folks and a cool office. What's the what's the culture like there, and what have you guys been doing for the past 13 years in terms of types of pro projects for your customers? The, the culture here is great. Uh, I mean, as you can probably see from, from the background here, is we're, we're not a corporate office. Uh, we actually have two very old houses, one build, uh, built in 1815 in uh, downtown Mendham, and we kind of converted those into uh, office space. So it's, it's very homey here. Um, it's definitely a lot more, uh, has, has a family feel to it, and it's, it's a great place to come to work every day. Um, and through that, we, we feel that we get some really uh, innovative design and, uh, and development out of our, out of our folks. Mm -hmm. So uh, we, we do everything software development here. We do uh, a lot of web applications, big, uh, big backend services uh, that integrate with mobile applications. So uh, and pretty much any software, uh, software project that any of our clients want to throw at us, we're, we're happy to take a swing at. And you started Derby. You're the co-founder of Derby, which produced the Stringer application we just looked at. Uh, what can you tell us, or why did you create a separate entity and uh, to, to develop Stringer? So uh, back in uh, early uh, 2014, so just over a year ago, uh, we had decided that we were going to create an offshoot company called Derby uh, to do products, uh, to create our own products. So Nickelfish, uh, having been around for 13 years, has been... 100% services based for for clients, and uh, every I think every service oriented uh, development shop's dream is to write their own software where they can make their own their own decisions, and uh, so that's that's what we decided to do. So uh, Derby is is still kind of an experiment where we uh, take just a handful of folks and uh, take a little bit of their time and um, and put it towards creating products that uh, initially we really wanted for ourselves. And then also products that we uh, that, that that we feel that the, the, the a much wider audience would be uh, would want to use. So uh, it's it's I kind of wear two hats here, and that we're we flip back and forth between uh, building building products for our product team, which is uh, luckily funded by what we've built at Nickelfish, mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, and then also flipping back to helping out Nickelfish to continue to grow and. Be able to um, you know, provide the financial stability for for both companies. Okay. Well, Victor, I'm going to hand off to you. Why don't you go into a little more detail with uh, Dave about uh, the development of Stringer using uh, Swift? Sure thing. Well, I w first of all, I want to say 
I like the way that Stringer does things, and I really wish that some of the interactions that are in there were in Apple's music app. But I could spend an hour or more <laughs> ranting about my issues with Apple's music app across platforms. Um, so, but I am I'm interested in sort of this top level concept of just innovation in general. And how do you guys look at innovation? Because a lot of people say innovation, but we all know that if we put something in front of a user that's completely new to them, it will be foreign and they will have a hard time understanding, you know, what do I do with this? How do I interact with this? Imagine if Automator had just been like a record button, right? <laughs> and nothing else. Uh, so people still have to have a kind of a, a, a mental foothold on what they're doing. So when you guys innovate, I mean, do you start way, way out here and then dial it back? Or is it more of a like, let's start with the basics and then iterate on top of that? You know what, honestly, it, 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 it kind of varies project to project. With, with Stringer it, in particular, we kind of went, uh, you know, went, went to the extreme and then kind of dialed it back. And uh, where, where that kind of started was we had a, um, you know, the interface was a little bit more abstract and I don't know if wacky is the right term, but um, it was definitely a little bit more, um, I guess it ended up being a more difficult interface to use. And we built some prototypes and we loaded up onto a couple devices and handed it to people and watched them. We didn't say anything. We watched them use it. And some people had, uh, uh, some people got it and some people had some difficulty using those initial interfaces. And, um, you know, as much as we liked how those worked, uh, it, it, it's pretty clear that if 50% of the people that you hand the test device to aren't able to use your application, that, that's probably going to hold true once it, or even worse, once it gets out into a much wider audience. So, uh, uh, you know, definitely had to go back to the, to the drawing board and tweak a couple things. And then I think what we netted out on was an interface that is, uh, it's innovative for, for the music shuffle experience, um, mm -hmm. but it's still pretty straightforward that anyone can pick it up and kind of figure it out. Do you think, uh, do you think Steve Jobs was right when he said that people don't know what they want until they see it? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> particularly, <laughs> particularly on the client side, uh, it's, it, it's that, that's, I think that's the most difficult part, whether it's client services or doing your own uh, application, it's spending the time to do some prototypes and then actually seeing it in real life and then deciding, oh, you know, that, that all those wireframes that we did and the beautiful creative, uh, once you actually see it in, in, in living color, it maybe doesn't quite work the way that you thought it did, and you still have, you have to go back and tweak a couple things. Well, you know, that's an interesting thing, too, because I've seen innovation happen in the process where, you know, a client comes to you with business goals, and they say, we want to do these things, but then in the act of creating and discovering what it is they really want to do, sometimes you find a better, a better path, right? So it, it, can you speak a little bit to the process and your experience in that, and, and have you found yourself in a situation where you've actually created something different than what the client maybe thought they wanted that was actually better and, and exceeded their expectations? Oh, certainly, and every every project is different. It's going to be, it also depends on who you're actually speaking to, if you're particularly on the, the client services. Uh, if you're talking talking to uh, to a marketing department, they're uh, usually they tend to be more open to the the crazy ideas and how to convey their message. If you're talking to someone on the business side who has financial goals, 
they have a checklist that they are that they need to check every item off. So it's maybe a little bit uh, more uh, you know, stringent on, on what you can accomplish. But uh, I think one of our strengths is working with with our clients and really finding out what what are their goals that they're trying to achieve and kind of how can we push them to maybe uh, to, a, to a spot where they're a little uncomfortable, but uh, hopefully then exceed their expectations when it actually launches. And get, getting that back to the developer side of things, you know, it seems to me and what I've heard from other people is that using Apple's technologies allows them to actually create faster. It allows them to innovate in that iterative sense, right? Play with things, play with ideas, play with interaction models and whatnot. Have you found that to be true? And, and just in talking with other people and seeing, you know, again, you're a Swift guy, but these other folks who are coming from maybe other experiences, I mean, is, is that something that you're hearing and seeing? Yeah, I think certainly the 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 ecosystem or and uh, Xcode in particular uh, kind of lends itself to uh, some some quick prototyping. The tool set, the IDE is 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 great. It it has everything in one place so that you can quickly put something together, and you know with with a little bit of work, get it onto a couple of test devices uh, to to actually show to people. So uh, I I think uh, that 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 tool set lends itself to being able to prototype and, and show people things early on. So you can, you know, going back to how, what we spoke about earlier, kind of see it in person and then make go back and make changes if, uh, if needed. Yeah, one interesting thing has been Swift is, uh, well, it's just coming up on sort of its one, it's one year public anniversary, right? Right. Um, and of course it was in development for a few years before that at Apple, obviously, but it's still been a moving target. So can you speak a little bit to just some of the pain points that you've had? I mean, this brand new language, and we can understand that it's going to be a moving target, just like all things that are new are, uh, especially with Apple. We know that they push really, really far, and then they have to pull it back a little bit as they refine and they make it better. But how has that been, just the growing pains in general in dealing with Swift? You know what? It, it could have been a lot worse. Um, so we had uh, made the decision to uh, to go 100% Swift with Stringer, uh, mainly because it, the, the the timing was right. So we had uh, we had gone to WD, WWDC last year with an Objective C prototype um, that we wanted to show a couple people, and particularly some of the uh, Apple engineers, to get some feedback. And as soon as we uh, heard the announcement for Swift, we had already decided beforehand that we were going to go back home and start start from scratch. We were going to write the new production code. Uh, for Stringer, and it, so it was a very, very easy decision to say, okay, we're going to write this in Swift because that's what that that's what Apple's doing moving forward. So um, uh, the, the the pain points really came from it being beta, and it's I guess someone would say that it that it is still beta. So even those the the early the the, the early builds of Stringer, um, anytime a beta would come out, uh, it would be. Uh, a day or two of changing the syntax just to get the app to compile. Um, uh, that's that that's less of an issue uh, today, as it's uh, as it's a lot more stable. But you know, it's still it's still changing. It's still growing. So with every major new release, um, I believe it was Swift 1.2 that just came out. Um, you know, there's definitely some some syntax that needed to change, uh, particularly with optionals, which still trying to wrap my, my brain around. Um, syntax needed to change in order just to get it 
to uh, to to uh, to build again. So uh, that's that's those are the pain points of working with the new system, and particularly uh, it's still being documented. So uh, early on, you're you're trying to use uh, an API that worked in Objective C, and it's the it's trying to figure out okay, am I am I just Am I calling this method incorrectly, or is this API just not fully implemented? So uh, that was definitely frustrating at a point. But by the time uh, by the time it was ready to uh, to be to be released, and uh, they were accepting Swift applications, it was stable enough that we were comfortable in in uh, releasing our, our application. What um, it, it is interesting how quickly this has moved, and and how you know to look at the stability from day one to now is really impressive. I mean, that speaks a lot to the talent of Apple's engineers and teams and just how hard they've been working on this. But I am interested, I mean, it's been a long time since I know I have seen a brand new language like this, you know, come up like this. Uh, but I'm interested, there have been other things, of course, PHP and Ruby on Rails and a lot of other website stuff. The web has just exploded with all of these frameworks and other languages and whatnot. Um, I don't know how much your experience tracks with that, but can you speak a little bit to that? You know, like how, how, how much is Swift tracking basically with other new things that have come out? Is it as stable as you would hope one year almost? I, I think considering what it is, it's it's very stable for for only being being a year old or or publicly one year old. So um, certainly our application is available and it's it's been available for for a couple months and it's one hundred percent Swift and other developers are releasing uh, complete Swift applications all the time. So it's definitely uh, it's not certainly not perfect. Objective Z wasn't perfect, but it's uh, certainly stable enough that. Uh, you know, Apple's willing to have those applications uh, available in their um, in their ecosystem, and you know, not have to worry about whether it's just going to uh, to, to destroy everything. Right. Uh, uh, I think the I think it also helps that it's built by Apple. It's not um, it's you're not they're not relying on an open source community to develop uh, develop the language. So uh, that certainly helped them to get it to where it is today in uh, probably a much shorter period of time than um, you know a new uh, web uh, web application development language. Yeah, and that's something we've talked about in the past, Jeff. Is the so, yeah, open Victor, source. We need to we need to kind of wrap up here in about five minutes. So um, sure, <laughs> I'd like to give you one more question. If you were going to the reliability and scalability in the Telco five nines, want you to get one more question in. Then I've got a question or two, and then we'll we'll look to wrap up today. You got it. Well, yeah, and that, that was actually something I wanted to address. Uh, so it sounds like at this point, if I was looking to create something that required, you know, five nines of reliability, Swift may not be my primary choice off the bat, right? This is really much, much more of a customer-facing uh, language if you're going to be writing apps for customers, right? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's only, it's it's, it's a year old. Um, but, you know, again, it's it's, being a compiled language, the the compiler is going to find a lot of those uh, those errors for you. So, um, whether it's it's any more or less stable than Objective C, it's uh, it, you know, I, I certainly haven't built a a huge enterprise enterprise application in Swift, so uh, I couldn't uh, speak to the stability. But um, you know, I, I think it's certainly if you're working on a new application, uh, it's certainly worth a try. Yeah, so I think that brings up a, 
a, a great point, Victor. We have, in previous Coder episodes, we've been talking about hyperscale and web scale versus telco scale. And then last week we had a conversation around open source and what is open source. And, and on a go forward basis, I guess my question is, is Apple trying to create a mutually exclusive walled garden around the developer community? Um, I'd, I'd love your, your thoughts on that. Well, I can tell you that from, from my perspective, it seems like uh, Apple moves very quickly when everything is controlled by Apple, uh, but they are willing to obviously integrate and work with other things as needed. Research gets a great example of that, well, where they opened it up to medical researchers knowing that those are the experts in the field. They've got a partnership with IBM to uh, work on enterprise class stuff. So they're not completely like that, but they definitely see a value, as Dave was just talking about, in being able to move quickly if everything is controlled very, very tightly. And that's sort of their, their, their real value add in the market has been move quickly, innovate quickly, bring something to market that's very stable and then constantly iterate it. And that's how they get ahead of the competition all the time. And Vic, uh, um, I guess Victor or Dave, either one of you guys, uh, you talked about it being more for end user applications. Uh, but as you know, this, this mobile world, you see this convergence of, of uh, over-the-top service providers, whether it be Facebook or Google or uh, even Apple with FaceTime, where you've really got communication layer applications that are running on devices. And um, the traditional telephone companies and mobile operators are, are having to compete with these over-the-top guys. At the same time, they're transforming their networks. Uh, you hear terms like network virtualization and uh, software-defined networks, and so you're seeing a, a transformation of these old languages and old ERP applications moving to the web. And, and, and so do you think Apple or this compiler language that they developed in Swift can start being used deeper down the stack? Dave? Uh I guess I don't see why not. It's it's as long as they want to make that available to whatever systems uh, that that type of software would be it would be running on. It's 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 a programming language. There's there's no reason why it wouldn't be able to be used on those uh, those types of systems. So if you're so if you're a developer and whether you're working in the transforming existing applications or transforming network uh, level uh, 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 code or you're a development shop like uh, Nickelfish, uh, are you starting to see a bifurcation where developer shops need to make decisions? Am I gonna go 100% this way or am I gonna stick with Java or some other things? Well, I think in, in what we deal with, we, we basically have three different kind of industries that we deal with, or not industries, but um, uh, platforms. So we have uh, the web applications that we build and backend services, and we make uh, decisions all the time about, uh, is it gonna be a LAMP stack? Is it a Java application? And a lot of that uh, tends to be uh, what, what the client is asking for if they have a big IT requirement. Uh, but when you're talking about Android applications or iOS applications, you are pretty much pigeonholed into what, what you need to uh, develop those on. So that's a pretty, it's a pretty easy decision of, well, they need an iOS app. What am I going to build this in? Well, they're going to build it uh, in uh, either Objective C or Swift with uh, with Xcode. Uh, but I think, you know, certainly if you're starting on with a with a new application, it's a pretty easy decision to to go with Swift. I, I think we can all uh, we can all assume that Apple's not going to want to maintain 
uh, both Objective-C and Swift, so they're going to push Swift going forward. Um, so it's you might as well uh, get get yourself situated with Swift now. Okay. Well, we we are out of time, but I do want to give a plug for Victor. Victor, you're going to be in Austin uh, uh, on Monday, and you're going to be broadcasting to Twitch TV, your angry dad gamer. So what I'd like to do is maybe bring up uh, a, a slide uh, that shows Angry Dad Gamer. And why don't you tell us a little bit about why you launched the program and, and what viewers can expect to see Monday night. Uh, absolutely. Well, we do six shows a week, or at least I try to do six shows a week. I definitely stream six times a week. And, and Twitch is a new platform, more or less. It's old Justin TV, but they pivoted, and now they do video games streaming, people playing video games and talking about them. And so what I do is I actually bring in comedians and musicians and other people, and we have a conversation while they're playing the games. And sometimes they've never played the games, so they just want to talk about, oh, my gosh, what is happening on the screen right now? So it's a lot of fun. We get to engage with people when they're kind of having some fun and they're not all, you know, stuffy with, with the interview format and whatnot. And uh, it's been a lot of fun. We do different type of stuff, retro games, new games, even talk about game design sometimes. Okay. And David, uh, Dave, your shop, are, are you guys gamers? Uh, I, I myself, I, I used to be, but, uh, you know, two young kids that kind of <laughs> took all my gaming time away. Uh, but uh, we definitely have our, our share of uh, gamers here. Well, Dave, you got three options to watch um, Victor in action next week. So you've got option number one, come on down to Austin to the world headquarters of RCR TV Studio Lounge and join us in person. Number two, you can tune into Twitch TV, which is Twitch TV slash Angry Ga uh, Dad Gamer. Or finally, you can come to RCR Wireless News website, and we're going to be streaming it live on our website. But, uh, uh, gents, thanks for joining us today. Um, have a good weekend, and we will uh, uh, invite everybody back for next week's Coders. Thank you very much. Thanks. Right, thank you for having me. Coders is a production of RCR-TV. To reach Jeff Mucci or to suggest a show topic for Coders, you can find him on Twitter at Jeff Mucci. For all the latest news on wireless code and the whole world of wireless, check out rcrwireless.com.